Guys, this is going to be a great episode with my friend Craig Steele of Exclusive Pursuit Outfitters. We're going to be talking about Craig scouting, uh, him and his partner scouting for the uh, Arizona Auction Antelope Tag. Uh, and uh, they've got a lot of great stuff going on. Uh, it's going to be a great episode. Before we get to that, I want to thank you guys for your support of the podcast. I really appreciate all of the uh, messages and emails that I get from you guys uh, showing me pictures of your uh, big fish and, and bucks and bulls and all the different animals and questions you guys have. Please uh, feel free to send me emails if you have any questions or comments about this podcast or uh, you know any hunting and fishing things related or real estate or quite frankly anything you can email me at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com you can follow along on instagram at jscottoutdoors send me a direct message there through instagram my facebook page jscottoutdoors and our my website jscottoutdoors.com also i've been getting inquiries from uh, guys on coos deer hunts in mexico uh, we do have one hunt uh, availability. Dar Colburn is going to be kind of ramrodding a hunt uh, in mid-December, kind of a, you know, a pre-rut hunt when bucks are gathered up in, in bachelor groups. Uh, it can be a great time to kill a big buck. If you're interested in a coos deer hunt in Mexico, uh, send me an email at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com or to my associate, uh, Dar Colburn. That's Dar Colburn Realtor at gmail.com uh, and uh, we can get you the information on those hunts. Let's get right to this episode with Craig Steele and again guys thanks for your support. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today I've got my friend Craig Steele of Exclusive Pursuit Outfitters on the phone. Craig how you doing? I'm doing well Jay how you doing bud? pretty good you know um, I caught you here it's actually 4th of July and I know you've been you and Lee both for probably the last 30 days have been burning the candle at both ends, uh, scouting for the Arizona auction tag antelope hunter, a uh, friend of friend of mine, Bob Griego. And um, how's it going? I, I, I understand uh, the weather's really cooled off for you and conditions are fantastic. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's, it's going well. <laughs> it's uh, It's going well. Bob wants to do it with a bow, which is unusual. I think he'll be the first um, governor or auction hunter for as far as antelope that you know takes one with a bow. Um, so that's that's a unique opportunity, and he's such a good dude. And um, you just you don't see that very often, you know, yeah. somebody with basically you know that sort of status and. Uh, tag wanting to, you know, take the time to, you know, kill an antelope with archery equipment. So, so Craig, cool. when you when you when you know your hunter really wants to get one with a bow, and that's his ultimate goal, um, do you scout any different, or do you still look for the biggest bucks you can find? And and, and along with that, because I know probably what your answer is going to be, like. Do you find bucks that you just think, oh man, there's no way we can probably kill that buck? There's certain areas. Um, you know, one of the things that's, you know, if you hunt antelope, in my opinion, for any like certain time, and, and I've really become more educated over the last three or four years since I've been doing hunts, guided hunts, 
is a lot of the bucks up on like the plateau area, uh, you know, nine, 10, um, you know, any, anything that's kind of out in the open, uh, country where the bucks and get kind of hunted. Um, they're, they're seem to be to me for the most part, a little bit wilder, you know, some of the bucks that are in closer to the trees and antelope that maybe don't get messed around with as much. Um, they're a little bit more docile. Um, or they seem to be, I mean, individual characters, you know, obviously, um, excluding that, you know, some bucks just are tame as heck. So you look everywhere, but, you know, in the back of your mind, you know, depending on what tactics you can implore, you know, <laughs> and how long you have to hunt, yeah. you really look at, you know, kind of areas that you think are doable. And usually, you know, uh, with a bow, and usually those areas, you know, will hold, um, you can find something that's of quality because they've been looked over and, you know, not necessarily picked through, you know. Um, there's two uh, Arizona uh, auction or governor tags every year for antelope. And then there's the raffle, and, and those got typically speaking, all three uh, hunters usually shoot stuff with rifles. So, you know, every year, you know, they're kind of, they don't always kill the biggest buck, um, but, you know, they can, you know, by using that sort of weapon choice, um, you know, antelope, pronghorn antelope, um, when you have a 365-day season, um, they're not, like the most elusive animal you know they're kind of like sheep you know they're out in the open and you can see them and so i don't want to say it's not a challenge to kill you know a, a pronghorn but it's it's definitely not like you know some of the other species just because of where they live and you know so doing it with a bow i think you know and scouting those areas that you think you know a little bit more harmful um, with a bow I think, and, you know, this is the first year that we've done, you know, one of these hunts, and, you know... Bob's talking about an auction hunt. An auction hunt. So, it, you know, uh, f for us, it's... The, the challenging part is you're... You may not see, specifically this time of year, when it's hot and dry and they're not rutting, um, you may not see everything in an area, and if there's any sort of trees or cover in there, those bucks will be laying down, especially the bigger bucks midday most of the time. And, you know, let's say there's 20 animals in, or 20 pronghorn in a, you know, a little, you know, five square mile area, you know, unless you, and it's treed and, you know, let's say you have no high vantage points to get up in glass, um, you know, you're using your truck a lot to try to, you know, get in and out of the roads and get different angles um, to be able to see, you know, those pronghorn. And as soon as it starts getting hot, those bucks go and lay down off in the trees. And it can be pretty time-consuming as I'm kind of finding out, um, not making any excuses at all. But um, it is time-consuming because you, you may go through an area, and I went through one area, probably five or six times and seen a uh, like totally different bucks every time you know so that's that's time consuming 
Um, as far as like the scouting process, uh, it's a it's a little unique because most guys hold over um, because the the auction antelope and and raffle hunts start on like the fifteenth of August, and antelope season so short or, or so soon following that that a lot of guys will hold their tag and and start hunting you know well about right now to the end of the hunt which is like August fourteenth. Um, that's when they're you know gonna you know use their tag and and come out and hunt for a week or two or a few days um because you know unlike the mule deer or the or the sheep or the elk um the seasons are so close together to when they actually get their tag awarded to them so that's so so what you're saying is that 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 when when the tag opens, the general season starts so close, or some of the archery seasons have already started when the tag starts, where you don't really have a jump start, so to speak, um, you know, on the regular season. Is is that what you're saying? And then I've got a follow-up yeah, question absolutely. to that. And educate us um, on when antelope uh, shed their horns, uh, you know, when they start growing their horns, you know, what stage are they at now as far as, you know, how close are they to being full grown? You know, how that, you know, talk about how that relates to the rut and, you know, maximum capacity of, of horn and what have you. Well, most of the bucks, I, I believe, around here in November, they sheath off. So that outer core of the horn comes off and the bottom is already developing and pushing it off. So it's usually, you know, give or take a few weeks, um, you know, sometime in November. So in, you usually can't start to see exactly what a buck's going to be until, you know, April, you know. Um, I got a buck that I followed for three years, and in April, you know, he, he's probably put on between April 10th and as of last week, he's probably put on three and a half inches of length. Um, and I'm not quite sure if he's completely done yet. Um, he probably will finish out sometime in the next two weeks as far as his length goes. Um, so it, it's variable. You know, some bucks are done right now, and other bucks will be finished growing, you know, maybe um uh, the middle of next month middle of uh, august of, 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 sorry july. The, basically the first part of august um the end of july um and typically speaking as the, from that point from my understanding and um from that point on you know the bucks you know as they get into like late september and stuff they actually start losing mass because their their horn starts to dry out a little bit um, and, and so their circumference starts to shrink a little bit. Um, so about, you know, when the archery hunt starts, they're probably at their maximum length, but at that point in time, they probably lost just a little mass. Now we're talking about like fractions of an inch, you know, and something that, you know, almost you can't even hardly see to the eye, you know what I mean? So it's, right. it's, they're, they're definitely a unique species because of, their quote-unquote horn growth you know versus 
you know, they're a little bit more like elk and deer versus, you know, like a sheep because they can change, um, they, they sheath out that outer, outer shell and they're kind of the only animal that does that, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty unique. So basically, um, by about right now, um, you know, to the end of the season is, is when you, you know, want to shoot a buck and, but you got to look at each individual buck, you know, if he's, if he's low pronged right now, you might want to give him a couple weeks and see what he does, especially if you don't have a, you know, history of, you know, where that buck's prongs normally sit. So what do you mean um, by low pronged? That that's one question. And well, I've got a follow up question to that. What do you mean for those out there that don't understand what you mean when you say low pronged? So basically their, their prong comes off, you know, their horn lower than what you would anticipate. Um, so, so, you know, uh, the, the quarter measurements, um, just like, uh, sheep, you know, you take the longest horn and you divide it by four and that'll give you, you know, so you have your base measurement and then you have your three, you know, uh, uh, Circumference. circumferences on top of that. So basically a lot of times you want to buck that prongs, you know, not, maybe not exceptionally high. But you want him to prong probably right around the top of his ear, you know. Um, and and the and reason why? reason being for that the reason being for that is usually they carry their mass a little bit better right around that prong, and so you're hoping that you know basically that second circumference, not the base, not including the base, but the sef- second quarter measurement um, that is going to hit right above the prong, you know, to give you a little bit more. But every buck's different. So when you see a buck that prongs, you know, two, three did, inches below the top of Did you say right above the, the prong it, or right below the prong? Right above the prong. For, for a second second quarter measurement. So the first, so you have the base, and then you have your first quarter measurement, um, which is generally speaking right below the prong, and then you have your, you know, your third and your fourth. Um, it, they have different names for them, but basically they're four circumferences. If you start, I think the easiest way to do it is you go, the base is one, but that's not how they do it. Base is one, two, three, four. It just, it's simple. It, yeah, to me, simple. Yeah. yeah it, it's the simplest because. It's kind of um, like in sheep reason. when you're talking about bases and then you're talking about, you know, second quarters, you know, it's confusing to some people whether that means, you know, first quarter is actually yeah, exactly. after the base. But if you're, if you're trying to simplify it, one, two, three, four. What one, you're two, saying three, is you I, want, I don't know why we don't do that. You want number three to be just over the prong. Is it rare to ever have that, say, that third quarter, um, which is, well, it's actually the second quarter. Uh, it, the third quarter, the third quarter in Boone, as far as, you know, I should be a little bit, you know, slapped in the face for this. But the third quarter, as far as I understand, only an SCI does it, can it go under the prong. Okay. So that's why you'll see some some bucks that you know are like, and this is a real buck that you know uh, another outfitter took last year was eighty seven Boone and Crockett net uh, Boone and Crockett, but it was ninety three SCI. Well, okay. he had high prongs, so he got basically um, in SCI. You can have uh, 
besides the base, you can have two circumferences under the prong. In Boone and Crockett, you're, it's supposed to be above the prong. So you only have the base and your first below the prong. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. In the case of, a, let's say, that buck that's 87 and, and 92 or whatever in SCI, does Boone and I don't know the answer to this, does Boone and Crockett make you take, if, if you have, let's say, your base, your first, your second, below the prong, do they make you take um, the next best measurement, or do they have you take, say, if we're talking one, two, three, four, do they have you take the number three measurement twice, or how do they work that? The way the way it reads, the way I read it, um, is is according to Boonencrock, because rarely does it fall. Um, hang on one second. That's what happens when you're sitting in your garage. Sorry. <laughs> you're sitting in your garage with right. 140 outside. Oh yeah, it's cleaning out my truck. Um, so so Boone and Crockett, the way I read it is, if your third circumference or your second quarter measurement, let's just call the base one. Yeah. Two, three, four, like we were talking about for uh, yeah. Just to simplify it. So if your third circumference falls in the prong, then you're supposed to go above the swell of the prong. Okay. So you go right above the prong. Okay. And SCI now you can get that measurement to go below the prong. Okay. So rarely do you have a buck that prongs that high, um, and you're, when you get low prongs, and, and, and usually with, as far as what, you know, I've seen in looking at bucks and, you know, I, I, and I'm a little bit unusual for the, you know, I'm not here trying to pretend like I've killed more bucks than anybody and more Boone and Crockett bucks and, you know, and all that. I'm just being honest with what my experience is. Cause I know there's guys out there that, that have, um, killed more bucks than I have yeah, but you've and, been and some seen more big too. bucks. But over the last last couple of years, I've been really getting in the pronghorn, and I mean, I, I love big bucks. But the, basically, speaking, did you say bucks or butts? No, but well, I like that too. But um, <laughs> only my wife, um, and she doesn't have a big one. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm struggling. Today. Yeah. Oh, uh, you're digging a hole now, buddy. <laughs> yeah, she won't ever listen. Because I've seen your yeah. wife, and she, um, and she's small, so uh, you're, yeah, you're, digging, is, you're digging she, a hole now. Small. Okay. Um, Back to so the topic. Basically, was when you get a buck that has low prongs, the only thing you're worried about is what does he have above the prongs? Because if he's long, typically that puts his third and fourth measurement a little bit higher up on the horn you know, away from the prong. So typically right around that prongs where you start above and below it is where you get, you know, I guess that kind of that gimme mass because of the swell of the prong. Because it takes, you know, swelling of the horn to um, basically that, that prong's growth makes the horn swell around it. If you know gotcha. what I'm saying, like you so know, so when you're trying you to judge a big it, buck, you're looking just above the prong, and you want it to be puffy, and you want it to look square, and you, you know, what are you looking absolutely. for? Absolutely. Like what? Um, what specifically okay. are you? 
trying to look here's, for? Here's it, what no, the number one thing is mass. It's just like with sheep, it's mass. You know, a lot of bucks will have length. Um, what what happens within uh, the pronghorn world is just like the sheep world. Guys see length and uh, and width and um, um, they freak out. And and they're like, this is a you know, there's it's a giant. You know what I mean? Well, you don't get any width credit, um, and length is you know sometimes thinner horned bucks look longer, you know, because, you know, they're thinner horned. Mass hides length, right? Always. It does. Absolutely. Um, Because you just don't see those gaps. You know what I mean? Like the airspace is taken up, so you just automatically just don't don't see it. But as far as what you're looking for, I'm going to be absolute honest. They're harder than cheap. Um, They're the most and, and I'm sure there's other animals that are difficult too, but for me, they're the most difficult animal that I hunt personally hunt to field judge. And the reason being is because they're usually not in like bachelor groups. Um, the bigger bucks are usually, you know, solitude or, you know, they're, they may be with those during the rut. And if you haven't actually held a buck, seen them out in the field, watch them eat the dirt, go over to and hold them that has seven inch bases you kind of don't know what it looks like and you know it 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 really is tough to see but once you see that you know you kind of know what it is um it's what you're looking for and the best description is what lee told me um is, is you're looking for that like it looks puffy um it instead of in the light where it looks flat or maybe recessed on the horn curvature, you're looking for something that looks puffy or swollen or bulgy. You're looking for something. It, it, it's almost like a, a, a marshmallow that you put on a fire, how it puffs up. And that's the only way I can kind of describe it. And you have to look at numbers of bucks because, um, what a lot of guys don't realize is how many small bucks there are, and there's very few bucks around, even in Arizona, which is, you know, home to the biggest antelope in the world, that are over 82. Um, which is the Boone and just, Crockett minimum, right? It, which is the Boone and Crockett minimum. There's just, there's just few. They're just very few and far between. Um, there's a lot of bucks that are, you know, you typically get a lot of bucks that are in that 70 to 78 range Craig, because, you know, one question I have for you is it, you know, antelope are a little bit different and you, you've educated me before on this, um, not on the podcast, but one thing that's exciting about being an antelope guy like yourself and you, you know, you say you've only been really guiding for these for a handful of years, but you've been hunting them since you're a little kid. You've been around yeah. big bucks your whole life. Um, you and Lee both. One of the things that's exciting about antelope that I hear from you is the fact that you can have a giant buck at three years old or four years old, whereas most other animals Absolutely. it takes six, seven, eight, nine-year-old to, to, to get that. Talk a little bit about the age of an antelope and how you can have a, just a giant at, at what age and, and how that plays into 
you know, when you're watching Bucks year after year after year, how that plays into, you know, your strategy of trying to find the best auction buck for your client that you can. Well, you know, it's something that, you know, I've been educated on and kind of learned over the last several years is, you know, three and a half to five and a half, they're at their peak, you know, and, uh, that's what, you know, if you go on the Arizona Animal Foundation.org website and look at their data shows, um, you know, and, uh, Eli and Tony from Pronghorn Guide Service, that's what, you know, they're, they're known for, you know, following bucks and aging bucks. And, and over the last few years, um, I, I've had the, kind of the privilege of, of guiding a lot and hunting a lot and actually, you know, wa- watching and following bucks. Um, I don't know if it's the gospel, um, and I'm not trying to disprove anyone, um, but but I think a buck can still get bigger at five and a half. I just think it's, it's based on that individual buck, but I think as a majority rule, yes, three and a half to five and a half. Um, I went and looked at a buck the other day that, Last year, um, I, I, I guessed he was a year and a half old. Um, he might have been two and a half. I wasn't for certain. Um, and I, I found him the other day, and by looking at him, I think he's only two and a half. And I think the buck's 83 inches. Um, he has big bases. And one more year at three and a half, if he makes it through, he's on – you know, basically public huntable ground, if he makes it through, he could be a 90-inch antelope. So what what you, the name of the game is, is when you see those type of bucks, and those type of bucks, what I'm looking for, are the bucks that have, first off, that have that mass um, on bottom. Because when they're, it, it seems like when they're like even a year and a half, you'll see that little bit of swell. It just, it's swollen more. Then the other bucks that are, you know, basically like, you know, a sheet of paper on top of their head. And so you kind of plot those bucks, you know, in a notebook and you go back and look for those bucks. And the ironic thing about it is usually those are the bucks that get passed up. Um, and the reason being is because, you know, it's so hard to get antelope tags and there's a lot of DIY guys and there's a lot of guys you know, even guides that I've seen that they don't know what a big buck is and they just go out there and they shoot the, you know, 16 inch wide buck with, you know, five inch prongs, but he has, you know, five and seven eighths bases. Um, and you know, then they walk up to him and they're like, he's not as big as I thought. Whereas the buck that's over there, that's got, you know, six and seven eighths or, or seven inch bases. It's, you know, 15 and a half inches that they thought was 13, um, is the bigger buck. And so those, those bucks ironically seem to get passed up quite a bit because guys just don't know. It's like, it's the same thing as sheep. They're so similar to sheep. Um, people just don't look for that mass. They automatically get drawn to that length and width and flare. And they're like, Oh my gosh, that thing's just, you know, a shooter. And they don't realize that, you know, he doesn't have the number one characteristic, which is that mass, you know, that you need. So that's what, um, you, you kind of take notes every year doing what I'm doing. Um, and, and with Lee and with Jimmy, you know, we, 
we keep track of, you know, younger bucks that we've seen. And then we go back and look at those bucks. Um, and then there's, you know, there's always new areas. Um, this year, what I love about doing this hunt, um, because my favorite thing is scouting. Um, to me, it's the most, it's, it's work, but, and it takes me away from my family, so I don't enjoy that, but I do enjoy that I get to get out there. Um, I love to watch, you know, I get to see mule deer and elk and, um, nobody's I, around. I get no, nobody's around. That, that was one question I was going to ask you, and I mean, you've been absolutely, you guys have been just tearing it up out there looking at stuff. If if you're sitting, if, if someone listening has an antelope tag in their pocket, what would you tell them to be doing right now with, with you know, the draw already have been out, they already know what they've drawn, um, what, what would you tell them to be doing right now? Um... The first thing is, you know, depending on what unit they have, um, is to, you know, Google Earth it, um, to read the Arizona Game Fish hunt description of it, um, go on, you know, I've seen where Go Hunt, I haven't looked at it, has their new, you know, land status deal, um, and to kind of get familiar with where antelope could be, um, I would tell them, and now we're going to go into deep stuff, and I'm, I'm sure there's some people that are like going to be, what is this? Um, and I've been doing this recently, is I would search, uh, let's say you have a tag in Unit 9. I would go on Instagram and search Valley under Places, and I would look at the hundreds of photos that foreigners have possibly taking and try to get a lead um of an antelope or a big buck standing off the side of the road now that's like <laughs> some that's some french guy driving down the road going to the grand Ab- canyon takes a picture of a Absolutely. giant posted on instagram look at this look at this deer look that this i saw yeah deer. look at this elk yeah. that i saw and it's a giant buck and you're like okay it's uh i know right where that is absolutely that's stuff that you can do from your home that only costs you time Okay, and then once you once you get that started, depending on you know, and I know how these and specifically for the rifle tag, dude. If you're listening, you waited a long time, or maybe you're one of the lucky ones that drew, and you might only draw one of these in your lifetime. Um, and that's just a simple fact um, of how hard it is to draw, and it's only going to get harder. And so after I did that, had a good basis, kind of lay of the land, you know, maybe any leads. Um, you know, maybe I might search some of the other outfitters, um, Google any outfitters that hunt that area. If I'm going on my own, um, I'm doing all that. And I'm just trying to add up as much information and as much intel as I can. And then from there, I'm starting in one spot. Like, okay, well, I'm going to go here. So for a weekend or for even a day, I'm going to search this area. And then the next trip up, I'm going to go to this area. And then the next trip up, let's say you have four weekends of scout. That's what your wife gave you the, you know, the blessing to do. Um, You kind of got to just, you know, prioritize it. And then once, you know, let's say you get lucky and you find a, uh, you know, 
realize at this point in time, at this time of year, that the biggest buck may not be with those does. He might go and check them, but he may be laying off somewhere. Usually the rut will start to pick up a little bit more toward the latter part of this month and the beginning of August. Um, so know that, 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 you know, maybe not the biggest buck is with the does right now. Um, he just, he's, he's around, but he may be shaded up during the middle of the day. Um, so are you driving, are you driving to these spots? Driving, most of it's driving. You know, it is what it is. You're driving, you're driving the freaking roads and checking country. I mean, my butt has never been so sore in my life. I hate this Toyota right now. Um, it is, but that's the simple truth. You wanted to learn. And then once you see a buck or you know there's good antelope, maybe you think, you know what, there's a high point over there that I need to get on. I need to be on that in the morning. Okay, then get off your butt, hike up there, set your tripod up, get your glasses out, have your spot scope ready, and go to work. But I wouldn't get out of my freaking truck until I knew the lay of the land. I don't okay, know so you're, you're going to drive wants. around like a madman. You're going to learn all of the Absolutely. roads. You're going to try and identify and spot as many antelope as you can, bucks, does, whatever. You're going to make notes of, okay, there's does hanging in this little valley. There's bucks hanging in this little valley. You're going to say there's a high point over there. I've never been on it. I'm going to try and look at it here on my Google Earth or whatever. And you're, you're just trying to learn in your unit each little specific area and spend as much Absolutely. time learning those specific areas, not just, oh, we're just looking for antelope. Like, you, you kind of break it down, right, into this area, that area. And, Absolutely. And work it over. And then you're, you're, work it you're over. specifically it remembering where you're seeing those antelope and, oh, they like this little valley. And, oh, I came over the rise and they're kind of way tucked back up in there in that little, that little coulee or something. Absolutely. That's that's exactly. I, everybody wants to skip to. They just want to go into and kind of, you know, they want to get up on a high point in glass, and you know, it, or they or they just want to leisurely drive in the morning and afternoon. To be honest with you, there's no napping. There's no sleeping. I mean, you might you might doze off for like 20 minutes, um, but you know me, Jay. I I, I get antsy. I start thinking, man, I'm out here napping, and you know, my family's at home by themselves. You know, um, and, and I just, I can't do it. Like, cause it may be that two hour. Yeah. You're, you're going to spend money too. So don't be a tight ass. You're going to spend fuel, you know, money on fuel. You're going to beat up your truck. If you don't, then, you know, it is what it is. You know, you're, you're not willing to put forth the effort, Stay but you're going to have to spend money on fuel. Exactly. Um, you're going to have to spend money. You know, you're probably going to spend, you know, several hundred dollars in fuel. Um, you're going to beat the crap out of your truck. You may even, you know, break a ball joint or two. But it, that's the name of the game is, is knowing the country, making all the notes. And if you can, yeah, it's, it's a high likelihood that you're not going to catch a buck. But what I would do during the middle of the day is, is take advantage of that um, and learn all the roads. So you have all day to do that. I think, I think that about all hunting though, you know what I mean? Like, and you and I've talked about this before is, you know, when you're getting used to a new area or a new species that you're hunting in that unit, um, 
you have all day to take advantage of that. And I want to feel as much like the rancher that lives out there or the, you know, the guy that's lived and breathed there all of his life as, as anybody. Like that's where, that's how I want to feel. Like I know that country, like the back of my hand, because then if you know, you've got, you know, a group of 10 does over here, a group of five does over here, a group of six does over here. And let's say you didn't see a big buck with him. But if, if you got those notes written down and as the season starts to get closer, antelope are very hab- habitual as far as they like certain areas um, because they can evade predators and, you know, because of, you know, basically how they live. And, and nine times out of ten or two out of three times, you're going to catch those does in that same area, you know, or you can go, to glass all three groups of these antelope, I can get up on that high point this morning. And then I can see, is there a big buck in here? You know? Um, so it, it's, it's a so lot of work. Going um, back to something good. you just said, if, if, if you know of a high point that the three groups of antelope that you know are in the area and there's a high point and you know you could get up there and you could see all of, all of those antelope, mentally you're making a note that, hey, when the season comes, if I if I get up there on that point, I I don't know which group of does my big buck's gonna be with, but he's gonna be with one of them. And if I can get up yeah. on that point and I can look down there and go, oh, he's over there with group number three, then you've just you're a leg up on the competition because you know that oh he's hanging over with that group of does that I've been seeing all summer and they like to go in these trees they like to go to that water and here's the rotation so are, are you literally kind of keeping track of okay when 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 they see my vehicle they run this way and when I'm up glassing and they're not spooked at all they tend to feed this way they tend to walk this way in the morning this way in the evenings I mean are you are you getting that detail oriented with with it it all depends on what type of buck it is and how much time I have you know as far as like to be honest with you if I'm doing a hunt or if, or if it's a hunt for myself and it's a rifle hunt I'm if I've got a buck picked out let's say my preseason scouting work, you know, my six, eight days, whatever I got in, a preseason, preseason scouting work turned up a buck that I want to just kill, whether it be with my hunter or for myself. I'm going to watch that buck that night while everybody else drives away. And in the morning, I'm going to be next to that buck. And me or my hunter is going to be ready to shoot that buck as soon as the light's up. Okay, so um, and, you watch them till pitch black dark like we do on sheep. You know, I say absolutely. 99% of the time if you can bet a sheep, we're not not when you still have 30 minutes to walk out and get back to the truck so you're, you know, you don't have to walk in the dark, but like pitch black dark, 99% of the absolutely. time that buck's going to be within what? 100 yards of there? 50 50 100 yards. Okay. He's going to be right in there. Um, you know, they I mean for the most part, you know, they will move at night, but it's not, it's not the general rule. Nine times out of 10, he's going to be right there. Um, you're going to be one of, now in some of the units, like that's, you know, more like a unit nine or a 10, you know, and you'll be able to see that night, how many guys are around that buck, you know, um, if there's a lot of people, a lot of pressure around that buck, then you'll kind of know, you know, that's why I like some of the units that have five, 10, 15 permits versus these, 
units that have a hundred, especially if you're not the most experienced guy, um, you know, because, you know, it, it can cost you a buck, um, you know, or, or the buck that you, you want to take, you know, um, but that's, you know, kind of going to the extreme on it is I kind of want to talk a little bit about more if you about scouting and, yeah. um, as far as like, uh, turning up big bucks and I, uh, we chase, you know, we chase some rumors, um, every, every year, um, on, on general hunts on, uh, you know, now on this auction hunt and whatnot. And, uh, you know, you, you kind of chase those now and you hear them through the grapevine or, or, or whatnot. Um, or some, you know, buddy at a, you know, an event says they see a big buck and most nine times out of 10 or 99 times out of a hundred, they're nothing. Um, they're, they're a buck that's, you know, thin or a buck that's super tall. And, you know, they're just, they're, they're usually not what you expect. So, um, I don't believe any of those rumors <laughs> most of the time because guys just really do not know. It's, it's kind of like with sheep, you know, um, and, and, and I think people hear the term 90 incher a lot. Um, and it is not done very much, um, for the 800 permits that are in the state, maybe, you know, two to three, maybe five on a good year are taken maybe. Um, and so it's rare, you know, um, it's super rare and it takes a giant buck. I mean, you start getting bucks that are, that are grossing, um, 85, that's a big buck. And that buck will net make not most of the time that buck will, will, uh, net make the Boone and Crockett, uh, minimum. And that's a big buck. So a lot of guys just throw these terms out there or, you know, 90 inch or we've seen a 90 inch or you're at a bow shoot and somebody says, yeah, there's a giant buck. He's got to be 90. Um, and a lot of people just don't know what a big antelope is because they just don't spend the time, you know, hunting them um, and obsess about them to where they can actually tell. You have to get, that's another thing that's challenging on antelope because you're talking about, you know, a sheep, a 180-inch sheep, you know, there's 180 inches. So, you know, I, I would kind of equate that to like a 90 inch ram or a 90 inch, sorry, buck, um, pronghorn. Um, and that's a big pronghorn. That's a giant sheep. And 90 inches is half of 180. So you have to be able to, you know, get super close, you know, 100, 200 yards and really, you know, as Jimmy Hoffman says, really be honest with yourself um on what that buck is compared to what you know this buck is or that buck is and it's hard to do especially if you haven't seen one in the field taken video and pictures shot the buck basically ground check the buck you know and go okay well i kind of set my barometer i know what this buck had six and a half inch bases, but then you also get into just like with, especially you and I've talked about this with Nelson, I sheep, the horn configurations. Um, I'm starting, I'm, I'm 
pretty, I think I'm fairly good or darn good at, at math right now, but length is tough because you'll get a tight buck, you'll get a wide buck, you'll get a buck that curves forward, a buck that curves backward, a buck, buck that leans forward and curves forward. And so you get a lot of different structures and the both bucks might be 16 and a half inches, but they're totally different and their horns turn totally different ways. And so that's a real challenge to try to figure out. Then you have, you have some, you know, just going back to your, like your, your sheep and your, your elk, uh, you know, uh, basically your anatomical features. Um, typically speaking, um, black to black on the antelope's eyeball. So basically, you know, outside black of the, the, what you can see on both sides of the eyeball is generally speaking about two inches. Um, I just found a picture of a buck that I killed two years ago with a client and his was two and a quarter. Um, so those vary also off body size, but that's one feature that you can use to fill judge off of. Um, and then another feature is the tear duct to the, uh, basically front of the nose or to the nose. So from the inside of their tear duct to the front of their nose could be, you know, on average seven to seven and a half inches, but that's all variable too, based on what size buck you have. And so it, it's really helpful to see those bucks with other antelope and specifically with other bucks. I know, for example, uh, Eli was hunting a buck last year, Grimm and a pronghorn guide service was hunting a buck last year um, that I was hunting, and I didn't see the, bu the other buck that killed, um, but... He had no idea how big this buck was, and this is, you know, hopefully he doesn't mind me sharing the story, but he had no idea how big this buck was, the buck that I didn't see, until he got next to the buck that both of us were hunting. And when they got side by side, he realized that the buck that we both were hunting wasn't the biggest buck. Um, and it's all because they were next to each other. And he goes, I would have had no clue that that buck was that big but they got next to each other. So that's a huge advantage. If you could, if you could. So in take, other words, if you had the two biggest bucks in the unit and you didn't know how big they were, side. and then they walked and stood next to each other, you could go, Oh, that one's bigger. Like I've had that happen I mean, with yeah. sheep many times where you're like, man, that's a good ram. And you know, three days later, you're like, man, that's a good ram. And then five days later, they're, they're in the same group chasing you. And you're like, man, that one that we thought was so big is small compared to the other one. The other one's way bigger. Uh, yeah, he has, I mean, he has 25, 30 pounds on the other buck. You know, his head's two inches longer. Um, I mean, when you see, and, and, and that's the kind of stuff that kind of drives you nuts because you, you're kind of, when you're looking at, any animal, but specifically antelope, pronghorn antelope is, is they're not around each other a lot. Cause in bigger bucks, they're pretty nasty animals. Like they're really territorial. Yeah. They and, don't, they don't stand and, around with each other very often. They're usually chasing no, each other at full speed or fighting like some crazy. Of those, some of those bucks on the plateau, 
you know, like in nine and stuff or, you know, seven and 10, you go to get video or pictures of them and man, they see you at three, 400 yards. That's, they're gone and there's nothing but freaking flats for them that run into and draws and drainages. And it's a pain in the butt to get close. That's where, you know, uh, you know, some of the bucks that are, are in the edges are a little bit easier, but you know, there's a lot of bucks out there in those flats too that get because it's so monotonous that get looked over um, or they don't get seen because guys think they see it from one high point and what they don't realize there's so many little nooks and crannies in that stuff that you know you you just one little one buck could be you know hiding in a little nook and cranny so um, you know as far as that goes. As far as like scouting for this auction, I I kind of look at it as from our group because we're not a huge outfitting business, um, but there's basically three of us that really do antelope hunts right now. Um, me, Jimmy, and Lee, um, and we kind of break it down as um, I live further west than those boys. Those boys live kind of in the old antelope heaven, you know, the Prescott Valley, Chino Valley area where all the giants used to roam. Um, there's still big bucks in there, but it's, it's such a cut up mess. It's, you know, the, the animal hunting's not what it used to be. Um, but I live further West, so I kind of take the Western stuff. Um, and they take the stuff kind of more centrally located. And then some of the other units, um, to be honest with you, there's so much country and we know some of the stuff, um, you know, central and West so good, like, you know, five a and, uh, 5B and stuff like that. Uh, you know, we put our feelers out there. We have all have friends and other guides that, you know, we'll ask them if they've seen a big buck or something like that. But there's so much country that we can look at and the units we know that kind of get missed. That that's kind of what we kind of hone in on um, because you know, on some of these other um, with the rifle auction and, and raffle tags. Um, a lot of the bucks that are kind of in the normal spots, they're already being looked at um, most of the time, you know, so we kind of look at more hidden areas. But I look at it as the same thing for me um, on this auction hunt um, as I would for a general hunt. As I'm, I'm going, okay, well, what bucks do I know of? Um, so I'm going to start with there. I'm going to go look at them. And unfortunately, sometimes it takes five, six days to find him. And then you go, um, oh, crap, go, he's not that big, or he's the same as last <laughs> yeah. year. Crap, I just wasted five yeah. days for one buck. Exactly. I mean, it's definitely, uh, you know, you're not getting rich. Um, Craig, but, I want to take it, just a second here. Um, I got to thank the um, podcast sponsors, the guy that pays me, the, the guys that pay me the big bucks to do this podcast. Uh, I want to thank GoHunt.com Insider for their sponsorship and remind the listeners that if you sign up for the Insider program, uh, you're going to get a $50 store credit in the GoHunt gear shop, and you need to use the J. Scott promo code uh, when signing up. And that GoHunt gear shop is hand-picked field-tested gear, uh, and you can go on there. You're going to get free shipping, great technical support, uh, you're going to get insider points, uh, and you're going to be able to keep those points. But you get a $50 store credit just for signing up. Uh, I want to thank Lorenzo Sartini and his crew. 
Uh, I want to thank uh, Jason Harrison at Kuyu Ultralight Hunting uh, for their sponsorship of this podcast and remind the listeners uh, that uh, Kuyu Mobile Showroom will be in Idaho Falls, Idaho, July 6th through the 8th. Uh, Bozeman, Montana, July 13th through the 15th. Denver, Colorado, the 20th through the 22nd. Colorado Springs, the 27th through the 29th. Omaha, Nebraska, August 3rd through the 5th. Kansas City, Missouri, August 10th through the 12th. Uh, You can go to kuyu.com. You can go on their Instagram or Facebook and or my Instagram and find the schedule. Uh, There's a bunch of other cities uh, where you can actually go and try on every piece of gear, every piece of clothing uh, that Kuyu makes. They have in the truck. You can order uh, the product right there. You actually, they offer some discounts and such when you go to those um, mobile showrooms. Uh, But you can figure out what size you are and all the different garments and and gear and try on packs and boots and everything else. I want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting for their sponsorship also, ChestonDavisPhonescope.com. Use the JScott16 promo code, and you're going to get a 10% discount uh, there at PhoneScope. Uh, Cheston and his group uh, make it easy for anyone to uh, put any optic with any phone and be taking a phone, uh, taking a video and photos quickly. Um, and the Outdoorsman's Cody Nelson in Arizona there. Uh, They just moved locations to Fountain Hills, Arizona, uh, but it's still Outdoorsmans.com, still 1-800-291-8065. You get a 10% discount if you use the J. Scott promo code. And thanks, guys, for listening to that spiel. Uh, The the sponsors pay me giant bucks to uh, do this podcast, and uh, without those giant bucks, uh, this podcast wouldn't be possible. And... um, Craig, back to the antelope. One question I have is uh, you're talking about bucks that you've seen before, um, you know, and you're talking about the sheath is, you know, underneath and it's popping off the the old horn. Uh, how much similarities do bucks, I mean, are they like, do they ever change their configuration or do they basically stay pretty much the same? They just start getting bigger. They they change a little bit, you know, like a buck's prong might be a little bit more curved or but generally speaking ninety five percent of it stays the same, you know. Um I seen a buck one time that I hunted for years, biggest buck I ever hunted. His prong on one side one year developed and then on the other side, um his prongs flip flopped. So he, you know, two years later, he had no prong on one side versus the other side. Um, and sometimes, like, there's a buck this year that I've seen the last couple of years. He, his knots on the back of the horn, he's got a couple knots on the back of the horn. It sits, you know, a half inch lower. Um, but generally speaking, um, 95% of it's the same horn configuration. Um, I'd say they're, they're not as drastically different as like a mule deer or a whitetail or a uh you know an elk where you know they stay similar um but they could you know add like a big old drop tine or you know what i mean or something like that um and they're not as monotonous um as a sheep you know because obviously it's not a true horn um it's actually hair follicles Mm -hmm. um 
So, I mean, that you'll know it's the same buck, you know, basically is what I'm saying. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't hook to my experience. He doesn't hook backwards. And then all of a sudden the next year he's hooked forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, he's, and that was another question backwards. I was going to ask you is, um, in general, do you like, do you not, do you like, I, I you know, you can tell what your personal preference of bucks are. Um, that, that's one thing, but in general, I like big butts. The, the highest scoring bucks, <laughs> do they do they heart shape in? Do they point back? Do they point forward? Like if you had to say, you know, Jay, out of all the bucks, like, you know, the ones that are heart shaped typically score better, you know, is there any, you know, if someone sees, prom, you know, uh, the, the tips pointing forward or pointing back or in, is that telling anything? Uh, I don't know. To be honest. Okay, my favorite type of buck is a buck with mass that that really turns in. Um, that's my favorite type of buck. I think those are the bucks. And what a lot of people look at, they think are big prongs. I would say this is, to, to me, and I could be wrong, but to me, this is the most, besides length, bucks that go straight um, and have no curve. You know, they just go straight up and they're wide. Guys are like, oh my gosh, he's wide. The prongs, typically speaking, I had this happen a couple years ago, um, bucks that have prongs that flare out. So when you look at them from the, when you're looking at them from the front and their prongs flare out away from the center of their horn, um, their prongs look really big but they're actually usually not near as big as what they look. Typically, in my experience, the bucks that have the bigger prongs, the prongs kind of bow out and then turn in. So they wrap in. Um, And the reason being is they're getting that outside radius that you're measuring versus when they turn in and bow out you're taking an inside radius Mm -hmm. you know and they just look like they have bigger prongs than what they do um and i that's one thing that i've really watched myself on and and really been educated on is guys they'll flop up a picture on instagram or facebook or whatever and be like look at this buck with these giant prongs well his prongs flare out and a lot of the bucks that have big prongs, when he's looking at you, you may not necessarily think he has that big of prongs because they turn in and they kind of are in line with the horn. So it looks like just horn there. And the bucks that have those flared out prongs, they're not that big. But when they turn sideways, that's when they, you know, basically, that's when you, you know, the judgment's coming. Because when they turn sideways, you'll be able to see. You know, those bucks that had those flared prongs out, their prongs actually look shorter. And when they when they turn in, they look longer. So that would be one thing that I look at. Personally, my personal preference, mass. Look for that bulgy mass, that pillowy, that marshmallowy look that doesn't show sharp. It's not, it, it's not flat. It's not, you know, concaved in. It's puffy. Um look at the eye, um, use that eye as a reference to kind of go, okay, you know, is he, is he a half inch, an inch, um, wider on the bottom than that eye? 
And then when he looks at you, does he have that puffiness, that swell all the way up, um, you know, to almost where he curves? Um, I like those bucks that have, you know, mass, and I like the bucks that kind of turn in and, uh, you know, and sharp and down. That's my personal preference. And part of that comes from the biggest buck that I ever hunted was a buck called Tipper, that we call Tippers. Um, I didn't give him that name, but um, I missed that buck with my bow. Um, and he was an absolute freaking giant. He's the buck that didn't have a prong on one side and then on the other side. Um, Larry Heddington ended up taking that buck with a hunter. And I'm not exactly sure what it scored, but Eli told me that he heard or he saw a score sheet on it. And the buck was, I think he was 18 inches tall. He had over seven inch bases and he was 91 inches and he Without didn't have a prong. A prong. <laughs> on his right side well hey and he was giant you know and that's how he kind of conformed so that's kind of what i like will there ever be an antelope over a hundred there could be i mean i think on a pronghorn guys killed one um two years ago i think in new mexico that was you know like he would have grossed it had he not broke i guess but you know there could be i mean that's a freaking giant i wouldn't even know what to do <laughs> if i saw something that big You'd i would lose be your afraid, business you know? wouldn't you you would just lose yeah, your lunch man. on that deal you know you would be a freaking wreck you would be a wreck for months if you ever found like if you found that right now you would not sleep for the next you know 31 days you'd be just like a freaking wreck well and, and unfortunately the deal you know how it is i mean Unless you have the, you have personally have a tag or a family member or a friend, a really good friend or, or a client, you know, you may never get to hunt that animal. Um, and so you, you know, it'd be one of those things where I would just for, you know, just the sake of field judging, want to know what it was and just to appreciate the animal, want to know, want to hold the, those horns, you know, because, um, I mean, if when you hold when you hold a ninety incher, you realize what ninety inches is and how come it's so rare. And it's just a lot of the stories you hear are just made up BS and guys don't know if the buck's ninety or you know, and buck guys will see bucks in the heat wave and and I've been there, man. There it's hard <laughs> the other day I was out scouting and it was like 11 o'clock and I scouted these or I spotted these antelope and they were a mile and a half away, but it was midday. It was, you know, during the heat spell. And I'm like, I could see the buck, but through the mirage, the heat waves and everything, I couldn't tell what, if I couldn't tell you if he was a 60 incher or a 90 incher, but I knew it was a buck and I walked out there and I had to get basically 200, 300 yards from him end up being a 70 incher um and i think a lot of times guys guys will see a buck you know five six hundred yards and you know maybe there's a little bit of heat waves or whatnot and you know it's a giant buck and we've heard these rumors before um yeah there's a giant buck over here blah blah to be honest with you unless you're 200 yards i and have a picture you're you're chasing you know your tail you'd rather have a japanese guy's photo on instagram going to the grand canyon or or um in, in town at prescott and and um 
taking a photo of a buck, then then it's really hard to chase stuff that that you know is a phantom or is a ghost or is you know you don't know what someone saw. I mean, I don't you know how many times I've hunted places elk specifically where it's like. You know, everybody that pulls into camp, well, I just saw a 7x7 seven seven cross the road. Like, really? 7x7, seven seven, yep. And then, you know, next guy pulls in, hey, are you hunting? Yep. I uh, just saw a 7x7 seven seven cross the road. It's like, oh, my gosh. Just, just you, you'll drive yourself crazy chasing that stuff. Um, okay, one question. One question is the biggest bucks that you've had in your hand. What the is biggest this? buck that I ever had? The, the, biggest the biggest buck bucks, I ever had. Not the biggest buck you've ever had in your hand, but the biggest bucks that you've had in your hand. What is the similar characteristic? Mass, and they, and they, it's mass. So when and, you, then, and they, then when you've seen those bucks with your own people. eyes, do they look giant? Do most giants look giant? Okay, I'm going to tell you a story about the 90-incher that I killed two years ago. And I hope, you know, people take this because I like to just tell it like it is. Okay, I'd seen this buck the year before, and I thought he was 86, maybe 87. We killed another buck that was 85 and 4 eighths gross. He ended up netting over the Boone and Crockett minimum. Um, I passed on that buck. The buck wasn't flashy, wasn't anything. Called him the heavy buck. The next year I got a hunter and I didn't know if the buck was alive and because he had to make it through a season or two, obviously I go in there, I spend three days, can't find the buck. I get a hold of some archery hunters that had the tag. And finally, I'm just like so desperate to find this buck because I knew he had to be, you know, he was a, he was the shooter. You know, whether he was 86 or whether he was 90 that year, he was the buck we were going to shoot. And I just had to know. And I knew they had killed another buck in the area um, that I had seen. And so I asked the guy, I said, so how big a base does that buck have that you killed? And he goes, well, his base is six and seven eighths. Well, I'd seen those two bucks together. And as soon as he said six and seven eighths, I said, son of a gun. And then I asked his buddy who had the same tag. I said, did you guys see this buck in this area? And they go, yeah, we've seen that buck. He's a nice buck. And I got excited. Um, I found the buck later that day. And I thought the buck was 87 plus. I didn't get any closer. I knew I had the buck. Um, the next day was the, the night before I, I found the buck and watched until dark. Hunter came in that morning, boom, we shot the buck, walked up to the buck, and the buck was the third biggest buck killed in the state that year. Um, he grossed right at 90 and 08, official Boone and Crockett, netted 89 and 58. Most people just don't have a clue. And that buck was a freaking, as soon as I walked up to him, I knew what I, the buck was a freaking giant mule head. And just had a big old head on him. He'd actually, in fairness to me, um, he'd actually grown probably, he'd, he'd at least grown probably, you know, three quarters of an inch on each horn as far as his length. Um, I didn't get as close up footage as what I would have liked that year because I knew, to be honest with you, I already spent three days. 
looking for him. My daughter had a, a volleyball game. I knew that was the buck we were going to hunt. So I took a little video of him. I'm like, okay, we're going to kill this buck, whether he's 86 or 92. You know, that's the buck we're going to kill because I know he's a great buck. Um, but the, the difference in the buck was set, he was 17 inches long. Um, I would have judged that buck all day long at 16 and a half inches long. Length's hard to see. It's hard to judge. It's when you throw that radius in there, it's just hard to see that. And then when you got a buck with a giant head on him, you know, just like with sheep, you know, um, when you got that body size, it just kind of throws the proportions out. But when you walk up to him, you know, you know, and I'd held a buck that we'd killed in 10, um, the week before that. And that buck had smaller bases than everybody thought he had six and two eighths bases. Um, he had flary prongs. The buck was, he was almost, I think he was right at 17 inches or really close. Um, so when I walked up to that buck, I knew. So what you'll see is the base and then, or the mass, and then the mass makes everything else grow. You know, it just, it does. It makes everything else grow. So body size and mass. If I could, two characteristics that I could really hammer home the people on antelope and sheep, body size and mass, body size and mass. Because you'll, you'll see the length. You may not know if he's 16 or if he's 17, but you'll know he's long. But that mass is what it really, and body size really messes with people, and they just don't, they don't see it, you know. They don't, they're, uh, you know, he's not flashy, you know. Um, so, Greg, anyway. one more question. I know it's 4th of July, and I'll let you go. One more question is, are you a scaredy cat like me in the fact that you've been burned a couple times, and then when you're trying to analyze and overanalyze and reanalyze and what have you, you, you know, you, over the years of doing it, you, you know, you've had a few things that have snuck up on like if you're anything like me you've had a few foolers and so you you're so critical you're so analytical and you're so trying to to you know not ever be the person to overjudge something do you do you fall into that and do you think that that hurts you sometimes being such a scaredy cat um First and foremost, if I'm honest with everybody and the listeners can take it for a word of work, if you haven't messed up, you haven't overjudged something, you haven't done it enough, and it will happen. Jimmy Hoffman told me that one time. He go, um, and I did it. I did it two times in one year, and he had a buddy that was laughing and joking about it. And I'm being real about this stuff, and and he he just. And Jimmy's the type of guy. He just he goes he goes, man. You just you haven't done it enough. If you're if you think that's and I I knew it as soon as I walked up to the animal, and I you know it is what it is. It's just not a good feeling. You know that, um, and you learn from that, and you don't want that feeling again. So in short, you just overanalyze um, everything, um, and the reason being is because. It's your craft. It's what you love to do. You want to be accurate. You don't want to be full of crap. Um, you don't want to be making stuff up, and you don't want to walk up to the animal and see somebody disappointed um, because you know you you know basically led them astray on what you thought it was with your professional opinion. And so 
I would say it's a fair judgment to say that there's times that I'm under, um, but you kind of have to, and we talked about this too, you kind of have to grin and bear it, and you kind of just, you, you have to be a professional about it. Yeah, and, and I, learn and to I, get over it, yeah. you know. And I think uh, you also and, you, you you can't you you have to tell what you think. You you have to call it what yeah. you think. You have to take in the fact you've been burned a few times, and you have to take in the fact that you've underscored them a few times. And in yep. my in my mind, when you're you know living in a state like we do in Arizona, where you know we have some of the biggest animals in the world. And if you want to be at the top of the top in your profession, you can't be one of these guys that says, oh, he's, you know, 83. He's, a, you know, 80, 84 inch buck. And, you you know, he's 88 to 90 inches all day long and you're scared to say it. I mean, you can always yeah. be conservative, but the best, the guys that I've been around in, in all the different animals, the ones that are truly the best are the guys that call it exactly what they think. And sometimes they're exactly right. Sometimes they're a little off on the low side, a little off on the high side, but I'd rather be the guy that takes all the experiences but still has the balls or the guts. Uh, we got to keep this a family show uh, to, to, to put it on the line and say, this is what I think he is. And, and what I generally do, uh, curious your thoughts, is I usually give a range. It's 82 to 84. He's 82 on the low end. He could push 84. Or if we're talking, you know, acoustic yeah, buck, I say, absolutely. you know, he's, he's he's 108 on the small end, and he could go over 110. Like, here's a two-inch range. You know, when I'm talking about bulls that, you know, you're talking, you know, 350, 400 inches of antler, I say, you know, he's a... 355 to 362 type of bull. I mean, there's a little bit variation there that gets a little bigger. Obviously, when you're talking antelope, you know, you probably your variation is maybe an inch or maybe maybe two inches. Yeah, two two inches is pretty much. You know, I think it's a fair assessment. That's kind of we kind of go high and low. Okay, well, this bucks, man. Uh, okay, first and foremost. I got to say this is I look at a buck. I'm the type that initially I'll look at a buck and if he wows me, I'm like, holy crap, that buck's buck big. But I know myself enough that I have to get pictures and video and I obsess about it and I obsess about it because to me, the pictures in the video will, they'll calm me down and they'll pull me out of the atmosphere. And a lot of times the animal may not look because as big in the pictures and video because I can look at them at those critical angles. And because a lot of times when you're in the field, that flare of the horn or that, you know, front on or that three quarters away view those are what you tend to remember is those high points. You know what I mean? And so it's kind of like a fish story. Mm. It starts to swell on your mind. You start to go, man, he's big, he's big. But when you get that video, those videos and the pictures, you can really look at them in all angles. And that's where you can start to get in high and low. So without the pictures and video to complete it all for me, I don't have a complete picture. Right. I have to have those 
um, and because I have to, and I'm talking, I'm not talking like, you know, with antelope or like sheep to me, I'm talking hundred, 200 yards, you know, with, you know, phone scope, whatever, you know, on my, on my 15s or on my spotting scope. Um, you know, I like to have variable pictures because sometimes I think too close. Yeah, you don't want to pull up so you have no perspective of perspective of body you don't or have anything perspective like that. And a lot, and a lot of times you'll you'll under in my opinion a lot of times I'll underjudge a buck. I had a buck the other day, eighteen yards, with my fifteens on my on my uh, on my phone, um, and it was too close. Like I felt like I didn't get a buck perspective. So I want both. I want like that, that fifty yards, and then I want that two hundred yards because I want to get that perspective. I want to get different angles and dis you know distances so i can really analyze um that that buck or that ram so i can really go okay what does he look like here what does he look like there and then you get all the factors you play it all out and for antelope i don't care who you are if you can see an inch every time you're full of crap because it is it is impossible because of the variances in body size to get them within an inch every time. And I heard somebody say that one time at an Antelope Foundation clinic, and I just chuckled because I'm like, that is like fish story stuff. Get them within two inches, and I go, okay, absolutely. I don't think this buck will. What I usually do, or and what we do, and Lee and I specifically, is we go, okay, what? And I, you know, we'll get a buck, and we'll, Lee will post up the video and send it to me, and I'll post up the video and send it to him we have you know in the cloud storage and and i'll go okay this is what i got him at i don't think he's any lower than this he's not any lower than 86.875 and i think if he gets you know so i don't think he's not any lower than that and i honestly my gut's telling me he's you know 87.75 you know and so you go, okay, well, I think he's 87 to 88. You know what I mean? And so you get within that range. And if you walk up to him and he's 89, then great. But honestly, I think the buck is 88. You know, so you, you kind of, you have your bet. You lay it out there. You lay your card down. And you say, I think the buck's 88, and I know he's not going to go below 87. And then, you know, yeah, we're human. You know, and you know how that, I mean, you make mistakes, but the more you do it, you have to, you have to own up to it. You have to because, or else you'll just, you know, what I've found is hard is when you get in those bucks that are in that 80 to 81 inch range. As I've heard you say it before with sheep, like, man, I don't even look at like 160 ramps. It's hard to freaking judge yeah. one because you, you're I not haven't had enough of them in my numbers. hands. Like, you, you know, you're looking at a range and you're trying for such a range and you've had... You know, like I've had rams from one size to another in my hand. I can't tell you what a, you know, one, or if someone says, well, what's a 300-inch bull? Well, I have a hard time because most bulls, I don't even really, like, start scoring them and stuff until they're, like, 350 or over. And so I can't tell you if it's a 275 or a 305. Like, I I can give you a guess, but I, I really... I'm not good at in that range, and like it's funny. You're not dealing with those numbers. Yeah, I'm not you dealing with I mean? those They're... numbers, and and I'm not used to that size range. Um, 
and I hear you saying it with antelope, like the tweeners, and I, I'm kind of like that with guys, and they're like, is that a 100-inch buck talking about coos deer? And I'm like, man, I, I'd be better off judging if it was like a 110 to 114 type buck than if, yeah. is, it, is it 96 or is it 101? Like, I, you know, it's, it's tough when you're not in that I, range of comfort. I bet there's some guys out there, and this is why it's, it's variable by your geographic locations and the units and whatnot that you hunt. Your your scale gets off, and it's not that you know, it, you know, it's, it's like you know, guys hunt Idaho public land every year, back to back elk. You know, they probably are better at field judging three hundred to three fifteen to three twenty bulls than I am. You know, or you are, but you know, when you get in that category where we're used to. I guarantee we're better at it. You know what I mean? It's the and, same and, thing for all species. It's because you're familiar with that species, and that's what you look at. Yeah, you know? and I can hear um, it now, familiar- you know, getting emails, all oh, those guys don't even score things unless it's a 90-inch antelope or a 350 bull or a 110-inch cooser. Like, you can probably go ahead and save the time of emailing and all that because all we're talking about is in the state that we live in. You get in, that? <laughs> I I don't I don't even I don't even you don't even I acknowledge mean, that yeah, I, I'm just I saying in the state know, we I, live in we have the opportunity to nitpick and to really get you know good opportunities to field judge animals and Craig I know you're a lot like me you want to be accurate you want to not be full of crud and you want to be able to you know say if you think it's an 88 incher then it's close to 88. If you think it's an 84, it's close to 84. You you never want to be the guy that go. Oh, I saw a giant. He's 90 inches. Rah, rah, rah. If you saw one that you thought was 90, you probably still would say, I think he's like 89 and a half. Like you know, yeah. you know, you know. It's it, you can't get yourself to say, oh yeah, he's over 400. He's he's yeah, he's. He's 440, and you'd be like, "Guy, he's a big bull. He's like, you know, he's a big, big bull. Well, how big? Well, he's, he's 400. I mean, he's. You just don't even want to say it. And I, I know you're like me in that. And so, guys, you know, if you're listening and you're in a state that you know doesn't have big antelope, you've probably listened to this whole conversation and thought, you know, what are these guys even talking about? But the reality is, if you're fishing in a 10 inch fish stream, and you know, you get a 15 incher, you've got a true trophy. If you've you know, fishing in a 20 inch stream and you catch a 20. Yeah. I mean, it's just whatever, wherever you're at. Well, it, it, it works both ways, man. It works both ways. And, and, you know, casting judgment, you know, those guys that cast judgment on, on just a little bit of a tangent right here on, on guys that be like, Oh, those guys, you know, they only, you know, talk about those giant bucks and I don't have those live here. Well, if you lived here, if you hunted here, you would, because, that's just what it is. We shouldn't be frowned upon because of our management practices that are, you know, and the blessed with and the animals that we're blessed with to, to hunt. Um, it's just, it just is what it is. It's we have limited tags and that's what we, that's what we hunt. And the other guys, you know what I mean? And I'm envious of some guys in, in there, you know, you know, whatever it is, you know, like Nevada, you know, I mean, they have mule deer, 170, 180 inch mule deer that are a lot more common than what we have now. We do have like the strip and stuff like that, but that's, I mean, you're talking about like, yeah, that's, I mean, it's extremely rare to get a tag, but 
far as that goes, I really, you know, I, I don't really worry about that too much. And, and I don't even freaking lose sleep over it because if, if you're going to cast judgment on me over, you know, not talking about, you know, I'm talking about like the biggest of the biggest. And yes, that's, that's what we're hunting. Um, and you know, not that I wouldn't shoot a, you know, I've, I've never shot a buck over 80 inches myself, but I've never shot a buck with a rifle, you know? Um, and I haven't had a tag since 2010, um, for, for pronghorn. Um, and so, you know, it, it doesn't mean that I'm a, I'm a snob or whatever, but I do like big ass antelope. Sorry, excuse my language. Um, and they are cool. They're like a big old sheep. You know, once you, once you hold one, you go, gosh dang. And they're, they're, I should say they're easy to kill once you find them or easier to kill once you find them, but they're hard to find. Yeah. And they're not easy. They're not common. It's not common. So, you know, I, I think that's the allure to, to big animals. It's, it's, you're hunting something that's not common. Yeah. It's not seen every day. And, you know, and that, that's a privilege to, you know, it's a real privilege to be able to guide on this hunt. And I don't anticipate us, you know, being able to do it every year. And so, you know, I'm taking, I'm taking advantage of it. full advantage of it, you know. Well, um, I know you're having a great time so. scouting. I know you're going like crazy. And, and um, you're funny because when when I know you're working, I never hear from you. I get a text every once yeah, in a while, and you're like, you go into your zone, and you're I, like this loner. I don't have just, friends. You're just, you're like, I'm like, Craig Steele? Yeah, I used to be a buddy. I used to hear from him, but I know what you're doing. I follow you on Instagram. I know, you know, you're trying to juggle being a dad. You're trying to juggle, you know, your, your all your stuff you've got going and you're trying to do a great job for the auction hunt and um you know you take it seriously it's pride and ego of of wanting to do a great job and you know like you said you don't get this every year and you want to take advantage of your opportunity and so i totally get it buddy it's been awesome talking to you on the podcast i wish you the best uh you guys you and and bob and lee and jimmy and the guys, um, you know, with with the hunt coming up, and um, I know you guys have been finding some phenomenal bucks, and and um, you know, it's just a matter of trying to find one that's going to run in front of an arrow. And I know sometimes that's easier said than done. Um, and uh, you guys will have a ball trying to trying to get her done. And uh, yeah, it's been fun watching your predator exclusive um, stuff. Uh, all the success you had, unbelievable success with your predator hunt. Just booked another hunt today. Good. Just booked another hunt today. Good. I want to give you so, a chance to um, let people know um, where they can find you. And uh, um, yeah. well, you, uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, and just Craig Steele AZ. Um, uh, outfitting website, big game is exclusive pursuit outfitters.com. And, um, for my predator hunts that we do it's predator exclusives.com. Um, so yeah, you can, you know, get a hold of me that way. Phone number nine, two, eight, three, one, five, five, eight, eight, nine. Text me. Um, that's the best way. Cause like Jay said, it may be a, a week before I get back with you, depending on, you know, how hard I'm at it. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's it. All right, buddy. Thanks. Uh, keep plowing away and uh, happy fourth to you. And um, 
yeah, I'll uh, we'll be chatting Bye. probably uh, down the road here about how the hunt went and um, getting a little elk preview. I know you've got uh, some elk hunts uh, coming up, and I'll be excited to uh, see what's going on. But we need some monsoon, man. It's Fourth of July, and um, haven't had much, have you? No, little sprinkles. I just talked to the BLM guys, and they're saying next week that they're anticipating. We've had fires though, so yeah. Um, well, I, it's got hot, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, it'll show up when it shows up. Sounds good, buddy. God bless. Take care. Okay. All right, man. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. You too.